The circle is cast, the candles lit, the spell is spoken, and Mother Moon is watching all that we say and do. For the next short passage of time, you are in an enchanted place called the Witching Hour. Hi, my name is Elle. And my name is Bill. And, and this, this is, is the Witching, Witching Hour for June 2019. Thank you. Okay. Okay, we have some really interesting things coming up uh, on this episode. Um, and so um, we're going to not waste any time and get you going on it. Uh, by the way, if you hear a cat in the background, that's okay. He's part of the family. And uh, let's get this show on the road. The first segment is about female druids, the forgotten priestesses of the, of the Celts. And it's written by Natalia Klinzak. Um, and it goes like this. In medieval Irish legends, they were called the Banduri and the Bandurai. Their existence was uh, confirmed by ancient Greek and Roman writers. But who were the legendary female Druids? The Druids were ancient religious leaders, scientists, and researchers of Celtic society. And for centuries, um, there was a common misconception that Druids were only male. However, new, numerous historical records attest to the fact that there were, in fact, women among the ranks. Go figure. The wise ones of Celtic society. The term Druid comes from the Indo-European word Daru, which means the truth or true. This word has evolved into the Greek term Drus, meaning oak. The Druids were the intellectual elite. Being a Druid was a tribal function. But they were also poets, astronomers, magicians, and astrologers. It took them 19 years to gain the necessary knowledge and skills in alchemy, medicine, law, the sciences, and more. They organized intellectual life, judicial processes, had skills to heal people, and were involved in developing strategies for war. They were an oasis of wisdom and highly respected in their society, much more than tree huggers. <laughs> Roman accounts of the Druidesses go something like this. Gaius Julius Caesar um, was fascinated with the Druids. He, he wrote that they were uh, scientists and theologians and philosophers and knowledge that was extraordinary. According to the experts in Caesar's writings, the great Roman leader was well aware of female Druids. Unfortunately, most of the Roman writers ignored women in general. So what's new about that? So it is not easy to find reference to them in historical texts. However, Strabo wrote about a group of religious women who lived on an island near the Loire River in Historia, and that is a, um, that's a, a modern online um, history magazine. Augusta is a description of Diocletian. Alexander Severus and Aurelian, who discussed their problems with the female Druids. Tacitus mentioned female Druids describing the slaughter of the Druids by Romans on the island of Mona in Wales. According to his description, there were women known as Bandurai, female Druids, who defended the island and cursed the black clad. Tacitus also observed that there was no distinction between the male and female rulers and that the female Celts were very powerful. According to Plutarch, female Celts were nothing like Roman or Greek women. They were active in negotiating treaties and wars, and they participated in assemblies and mediated quarrels. According to the Pomponius Mela, 
Virgin priestesses who could predict the future lived on the island of Sina in Brittany. Cassius Dio mentioned a druidess named Ghana. She went on an official trip to Rome and was received by Domitian, the son of Vespasian. According to the description of the Battle of Moitira, two druidesses enchanted the rocks and the trees in order to support the Celtic army. I'm just still sort of sitting here wondering what the rocks and the trees did, but I think it's an excellent idea. So, famous druidesses. According to Irish tradition, there were two main titles of druid women, Bandarai and Banfilid, meaning female poets. Most of the names of the female druids stay forgotten, but the name Fidelma was recorded in ancient text as a woman of the court of Queen Mab of Connacht. Uh, and she was apparently a Banfili. She lived in the 10th century AD in Ireland. The most famous descendant of a Druid woman was Queen Bodica, whose mother was a Bandarai. Bodica, or Bodica, was the queen of the British Celtic Iceni tribe. She led an uprising against the Romans in the 1st century AD. Researchers still argue whether Budica was a druid too, but that's because they were all men. I'm just kidding. Okay, I'm just kidding. I really don't know why. The worship of the goddesses. Druidesses worshipped goddesses and celebrated in different months and seasons with feasts and rites of their own. One of the deities they worshipped, the goddess Bridget, was later adopted by Christian nuns as Saint Bridget. Ah, oh, we keep furnishing all the, all the Christians with everything that we once had of our own, but that's okay. It, I guess that um, mimicry is uh, the highest form of a compliment. There you go. Continuing on with the archaeological footsteps of the Druidesses, archaeologists have discovered several proofs for the existence of the female Druids. Many female burials have been discovered in Germany between the two rivers Rhine and Motel. The women who were buried there were dated back to circa 4th century BC, and they were buried with lots of treasures, jewelry, and other precious objects. Some of them were buried with a special torque on the chest, which are symbols of status. According to researchers, only a druidess could have a high enough status to receive a burial like this. Two burials located in Navis in Burgundy, France, and Rhinum in Germany were dated back to the 5th century BC and almost certainly belonged to female druids. Moreover, on the Rue de Recollet in Metz, France, there was discovered an inscription dedicated to the female druid in honor of the god Sylvanus. It is difficult to confirm which of the noble Celtic women were really druids, but it is believed that most of the well-educated women whose graves contain luxury goods were the elite of their tribes and quite possibly druids. Ah, okay. The heritage of the ancient druidesses. The Romans killed a lot of Druids, and they killed a lot of everything when they were in, in the, um, you know, when they were in, you know what I'm talking about, and destroyed many of their books, meaning the Druids' books, and other archival, archival treasures. The Roman Catholic Church believed that female Druids were saucers, saucerses, and witches in cooperation with the devil. Nothing new about that. They also saw the knowledge of the Celts was a huge danger for their domination and Christian message. The well-known Saint Patrick, that sweet, darling little man who got all the snakes out of Ireland, burned Druid books and destroyed many locations connected with the old cult. Nice guy. 
However, like paganism in general, Druidism never fully disappeared. Nowadays, many people still follow the ancient tradition. Many researchers continue to work to discover the ancient wisdom of the Druids. We know several personally. They do great work. They're really connected to the earth. They're wonderful people. May they live forever. That was pretty good. Did you like it? And they, yeah, I did. And they do more than run around in the trees naked. <laughs> uh, actually, I've, I've obtained some of the things that you need to do to become a druid, at least in uh, this particular conclave or area, and it's quite involved, and they, don't, they take it very seriously. Great. Okay. And now, for tidbit number two, here's something for those of you who are really into the paranormal, old haunted buildings, and the marvelous history and tales of things that go bump in the night. And here's the twist. You can buy this one. If you have the dough, it's titled Satanic Panic Freezes Sale of Witch's Prison by Ashley Cowie. Say that five times fast. <laughs> Once a prison for people, mostly women, again, accused of witchcraft, what is held to be Britain's most haunted house is up for sale again. Known as The Cage in St. Osith, England, this historic building has been owned by Vanessa Mitchell since 2004. Having been terrorized by evil spirits, she moved out in 2008 and has repeatedly tried to sell the property. Now, for a third time, it is on the market with an asking price of only £260,000. For you Americans, that's $293,188. Vanessa told reporters at the Clacton and Frinton Gazette that in 2008, she fled the house after she was physically attacked by spirits. She also claims she was plagued by ghostly figures who she says pushed her while pregnant and that she has witnessed mysterious blood splatters. Furthermore, Vanessa claims that on one occasion she has been spanked on the bottom by a dynamic <laughs> entity. Evidence, it appear, would have the ghost that had functioning hormonal systems. Yeah, that's a yeah, sure. Okay. So, investigating the witch's prison. The earliest history of the cottage, um, also called the cage, was that once it was used to hold prisoners accused of witchcraft. Men, women, and children were detained in the cage all the way until 1908. Wow. Frenton-based estate agent Homo Domus, don't ask, please don't ask, told reporters at the Clacton and Frenton Gazette, the cage was one of the most notorious and well-documented haunted 16th century cottages in Britain. Once a medieval prison where 13 witches were held pre-trial, subsequently resulting in three hangings. The gable uh, end of the cottage holds a plaque and it reads like this, and I'm quoting, The cage, medieval prison, St. Othus residence, Ursula Kemp, was imprisoned here before being hanged as a witch in 1582. It was last used in 1908, unquote. The tragic story of Ursula Kemp, a woman who was called upon by her community to heal sick folk, apparently fell out with a woman from a notorious local family. This resulted in Kemp's semi-miraculous healing skills with her being accused of witchcraft. And after being found guilty in 1582 A.D., she was hung. Before she was judged and hanged, Ursula Kemp ratted and named a lot of other women from St. Osith whom she claimed were witches. Oh, dear. I'm not going to go by myself. <laughs> she did it, and she did it, and she did it. 
<laughs> they all, in turn, broke the bro code, and before confessing, they all named more witches, and everybody blamed everybody else. <laughs> Boy, does that sound like now. Yeah. Thus, in this fateful year, paranoid satanic panic in Kelmsford saw many more women from St. Othus on trial for witchcraft. According to an article on Mysterious Britain, ten of those women faced charges of bewitching to death. Outside of the cage, a walled courtyard leads to Coffin Alley, which is now a small passageway running alongside the property, but long ago served as a spirit road along which dead bodies were transported to the cemetery, bringing us perfectly to the discovery of a skeleton excavated in St. Osith in 1921, which was immediately thought to have been Kemp, because it had signs that its legs had been bound in iron clamps. Enter the Witch Huntress, aiming to inject rationality and reason into the discovery of an alleged witch's skeleton in 2007, Dr. Allison Rowlands, a leading authority on witchcraft from Essex University, pointed out that 10 women from St. Osseth had been executed by witchcraft. Being a scientist, Rowlands calculated that if the suspected skeleton of Ursula Kemp was that of a witch, there was only one in ten chances of actually being Kemp because all ten women would have been leg clamped. In 2007, an article in the Daily Gazette entitled St. Osseth dot dot, uh, which which is which, featured Dr. Rowland's research, in which she claimed the skeleton found in a garden on Mill Street in 1921 may not have been that of Kemp who was hanged after a trial in Kelmsford in 1582. She said, two skeletons were found, and there are at least ten possibilities. Five who died at Kelmsford before, which, before witchcraft trials, as well as three women who were tried as witches in 1445. Now, I have to be honest with you. If you guys can, like, d divine that whole uh, 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 paragraph, let me know. Let me know what you come up with. Um, remember, I didn't write it, but I should have. Just remember, ten women died, and one of them was this other lady. So, who knows? Whoever the other lady was. Right. Yeah. Okay. Now we return to the cage. The big question that remains is why isn't the cage selling? Why indeed? To help displace dark forces and to help stimulate market forces, the sales agent claims the spirits, including a satanic-looking goat, picture that, have now been vanquished and they can confirm that the house has now been cleared of the many evil residents encountered over the years. The agent, delighted that 500 years of poltergeist and demonic possession are now over, says it's time for someone else to take on this unique cage, one of only seven cages left in the country, and none with the reputation of this one. It's still haunted, the agent added, but there seems to be a certain newly found harmony within. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> The ghosts are on relapse now. Yeah, okay, but, 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 teacher, I have a question. When, see, when folks see ghosts dressed in period clothing, as is so often reported at the cage, where witches and 15th century spectral characters touch people up, does this mean cotton and leather also have a soul that reta retains their material forms after death? and dresses these specters like they were in the 15th century. How does that happen then? Okay, teacher? Teacher? Hello? Uh, I want to know what happened to the satanic-looking goat. <laughs> I do, too. 
Okay, you got anything to add to this, my sweet? Either one of them? Uh, no, it was given the home seal of approval that it's it's safe for human <laughs> residency, so who are we to quibble? Who are we indeed? But wouldn't it be fun if we could buy something like that? I think it'd be so cool. I really do. Not, I just, a, not a ghost of a chance. <laughs> not a ghost of a chance. You are too funny. Okay, now it's time to blow out the candles, pack up our herbs, close our book of spells, fold our tents. But before I go, we'd really like to hear from you. Let us know um, if this show was of interest to you. We'd also like to hear from you if you'd like to be, if you're involved in the pagan community and have something you'd like to um, share with us for the listening audience. And if you live in our area, it's even possible you could come and do a guest spot on The Witching Hour. Contact us through the website, thewitchinghour.com. 